We've got Joe Bowers in the studio with us today. How's it going? Hey, good, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Uh, Joe Bowers is um, a, d- a design director and podcast host. He's got his own podcast called Caveman Creative. That's right. And um, you've been doing that for a while, right? Like, or podcasting for a while. I've been podcasting for about a year and a half. Okay. But then, but Maybe then. actually two years now. I don't remember. Kind of like on the side, mostly preoccupied it with has your design. It's been two years. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's my design is my day job, but podcasting was a thing I got into to try to kind of have an outlet that was uncomfortable. Yeah. Kind of go back to being a novice huh. um, and, and shake myself out of some creative complacency. Oh, and it's cool. worked really well. I like that. Okay, so the results have been good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been life-changing. Best, one of the best decisions I've ever made. Okay, so like just the plug right right off the bat. Yeah, go check out Caveman Creative. It's really it's really good. Oh, definitely. Don't listen to it, but definitely subscribe. Yeah, okay. I need subscription <laughs> numbers. I don't care if anybody listens to it, but yeah. I need those subscription numbers way up. That's funny. We don't need a critique. We just need <laughs> yeah, a number. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you want to benefit, you know, it'll change your life, make everything you do better, make improve your love life. Mm, uh, nice. You know, food will taste better. I mean, it's it's the best thing you could possibly do for yourself, but I don't care. I just need the subscription numbers. <laughs> okay, sold. All right, so Joe, Joe's been an, an industrial designer and um, well, a graphic designer and fashion designer. Like, you, you've been in a lot of Multidisciplinary, right? yeah. That's where that yeah. term comes from. And um, he's worked for Levi's and, and a lot of uh, um, international uh, brands as a consultant over the, over the past years. And um, we're just really stoked to have you here today. You've Thanks, got, man. It's cool to have people that are like out there in the world doing a lot of work, but they've got these Utah roots. And mm-hmm. so we're trying to talk to people, you know, kind of like that Salt Lake and Utah roots. Yeah, no problem. I try to say yes to everybody that asks me to be on their podcast. Perfect. I try to say yes if I can. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, yeah, you were, you were pretty like quick yep. to say yes for this one. That's awesome. I decided a long time ago, anybody ask, I'm going to say yes, unless it's like, I absolutely cannot. I like that yes policy. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is 20 questions. We're going to try to ask you 20 questions on the yeah. podcast today. Design I feel like City. I should have looked at these ahead of time. <laughs> I know. He gave me an opportunity to, and I just passed. It's but, a long list of questions, so uh, it's, it's daunting, but we'll, we'll... Well, they better be good. We'll get there, okay. Yeah, we'll get through it. So, Design Lake City, here we go. Okay. First set of questions are rapid-fire questions. Okay. You can decide how rapid you want them to be. Uh, do you have a favorite drink? Oh, favorite drink. Uh, you know what? Somebody gave me a couple weeks ago a alcoholic kombucha mm. that blew my mind. It was like, oh, all the drinks I've had up until this point were just simple preparations for the universe to deliver this drink <laughs> to me. And I have no idea who it was. I have no idea what it was. And I didn't even know the person who offered it to yeah. me. It was like a big group party was it? that I didn't even plan on being. And so now I'm like, okay, the rest of my life I'm going to be chasing that high of that Ooh. alcoholic kombucha. Was it like a moonshine type of thing? Like, or was it labeled? There was no somebody idea. like mixed, but like, mixed. You know that, you know that bite that kombucha gives back to you? Like it's like that gingery, like mm, that like stings yeah. the back of your throat thing. It was that plus what tasted sort of like a gin or something oh, okay. and some citrus. I, I'm not. Number two, is there a design that's notably improved your life? Like some kind of physical or other design that you can Oh, that's out? a hard question because the the design that's obviously affected my life and affected everybody's is the iPhone. Obviously. Yeah. Like it just changed everything. And it's not just people talk a lot about what it's like replaced as far as the things that you're carrying around, like flashlights and calculators and the phone and, and all this stuff, all the tech devices that it's taken off your desk or, or and put into your pocket. And we talk a lot about that, but it's just, it's replaced my car. Like, I just Uber and Lyft. Yeah. Um, I do my therapy now on my iPhone through an app. Oh, crazy. Um, it's just, it's so, the my experience with the world is through that people of the iPhone mm. um, in so many profound ways that 
it's just obviously the biggest impact, but it's also a really boring answer. And I don't think it's a good one because I don't think the iPhone design itself hmm. is particularly good. And I think we overhype it, but that's only because we don't know what's coming. Right. As far as what good design actually is, we're growing as a culture. And I think we're on the precipice of a really the next wave of, of enlightenment as, as far as design and physical hmm. products that I see coming on the horizon. And the iPhone is, is shit compared to that right it's like the gateway to those other yeah things. and it's barely i mean i think we're, i'm pretty harshly critical of of it as a as a as an object but mm. um unfairly too but mm. so what is a i mean the, the design that's actually impacted my life i mean i've been thinking a lot about the gutenberg press and in a similar way <laughs> i think the iphone is actually kind of an ancestor of right the gutenberg press because it's just the just game changer yeah, it's it's all about data loss. Like human society, if you look back at, see, I told you we're gonna rant about some of these <laughs> questions. So, but human society, if you look back for like thousands and thousands of years, if you dropped in any one of those places, life was pretty much the same for a really long time. Horse-drawn carriages, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Gutenberg Press happened, and it basically just eliminated the problem that kept human beings from advancing, which is data loss between generations. Like, there's no longer like, oh, we can keep. You know, we're relying on oral history, oral traditions, sure. and bards playing songs and tales to like transmit the lessons learned from previous generations to the next generations. It's a poor way of transmitting uh, transmitting data and knowledge and learning. Right. All of a sudden, we had these books, which are these little packets of data, and we made them universal. And all of a sudden, from that point on, just human species took an exponential growth. Like you look at the Wright brothers; they flew a glorified motorized cart uh, kite. Yeah. over Kitty Hawk, I think it was like 60 meters, and that was like the first time in human history that we had mastered flight. And we've been trying to do that for a long fucking time. 60 meters. Like, even like, long. you know, Da Vinci was trying hard mm. to like break the... And he was the smartest guy. Right. You know, the, the smartest guy. And like, nobody could break this. Um, all the geniuses of previous generations could not crack that code huh. of like flight. Two bicyclist designers were able to crack it on the beach in South Carolina. And 60 years later... We were landing on the moon. Yeah. 66 years later, we're landing on the moon. That's pretty rapid. Before that, in between, like, I think it was 20 years later, we were dropping bombs on each other from airplanes Mm -hmm. and having massive dog flights, doing inverted flights, flying in metal. I mean, Mm -hmm. from that point, human expansion and technological development went insane. Yeah. And it was all just because books became more abundant, cheaper, easily accessible, and data was transferred from one person to another. The iPhone or just the internet is that times a billion. It kind of makes me think of like um, hovering cars. Like in the 80s, every, everybody was predicting we'd have hovering cars by now, right? But it's like all that energy went into like maybe your pocket, right? Right. Like, well, like and all that hovering innovation. cars is a stupid idea. But like, <laughs> yeah. like this, nobody saw this coming, right? Yeah. I mean, actually they kind of did, but I think even currently we don't, nobody understands the impact. Like yeah. the, the Gutenberg press was like a grenade launch on human society. Yeah. Internet and smartphones are a nuclear explosion that we haven't even felt the first shockwave yet. Yeah. It's like nothing, like we make fun of our parents for like not being able to cope and understand like culture as it advanced yeah. and they're still stuck in like somewhere Video in the 1980s and, yeah, and they're just yeah. like confused. That's nothing. We're yeah. going to be fundamentally lost uh, so bad. Like the world, we are completely unprepared about that. how the world is changing. So when I coach creatives and they ask me like, oh, what, what skills do I need to develop? How do I stay yeah. relevant and everything else? And this is a little bit about what we're talking about before we even started this is yeah. like none of the jobs that you're going to see on job boards in five years 
are going to be recognizable. You, you'll mm-hmm. never see them coming mm-hmm. um, if we have jobs at all. <laughs> if, <laughs> right. If the if uh, machine learning doesn't make us immediately all obsolete mm-hmm. in a remarkable amount of time. Yeah. Uh, the only skill that is worth learning is adaptability and creativity. Uh-huh. If you learn how to connect dots that other people can't connect, yep. that's the only way to stay re- relevant. And that's the only thing that you can do to prepare for like how weird the world is about to get. Mm. So it kind of makes me think of, so I have like a background in urban design and urban planning and like how oh, cool. the combustible engine in the car like made such a big impact, not only in itself and like as a technology, but yeah. it rippled through the different scales of, of I guess, environments you will, mm-hmm. you know, architecture and infrastructure like followed right. what the car was enabling, right? Right. And and so suburbs were enabled and highways and all like that stuff, Like our bodies right? are designed around red blood cells. Yeah, exactly. And so like what I think about when you mentioned the phone, the iPhone and the smartphone, it's like what is that going to do? How is that rippling out and into architecture, infrastructure, all of those other things? It changes everything, man. It changes everything. Yeah. Even like little things like even when you're not using it, it's affecting your life profoundly. Mm-hmm. Like I leave the house, I get on an airplane and I just go. Because I know that I'll be able to figure it out. You know, yeah. I don't have to plan. I don't book a hotel ahead yeah. of time. Yeah. People didn't used to, have to could do that. That's they didn't have to like plan their whole thing. And because you had yeah. a plan, the barrier to entry to planning your travel and trips and stuff, it kept a lot of people at home. Yeah. And now you just leave your house. Yeah. Get in your car. You got your wallet and your phone. You, you'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, even when you're not using your phone, it's having a profound impact on you. That's cool. Next question. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, let's keep going. This is a good one for you. If you could talk to one dead person, who would it be and why? Just one. (laughs) I mean, I think about this question a lot. Yeah. Um, I never (laughs) had a good answer. I mean, the the gut, I thought Plato, but I actually think he might be kind of boring if Mm. I had to talk to him. Yeah. I would really like to talk to a realized person, like uh, Ram Dass or non-dual spiritualists. They talk about realized, someone who's actually connected to enlightenment that has actually been enlightened. And then, I mean, Jesus, Buddha. Yeah. They, they count. Um, They're all in that. Yeah. So, I mean, I would love to talk to anybody that is actually, quote unquote, realized and see oh, cool. what that experience I've is never, like. I've never heard that term, but like uh, enlightened, basically, or yeah. ha- has, has touched enlightenment. Kind yeah. Of. I mean, okay. my podcast right now is all about how to get out of your own way yeah. and allow for your universe of creative power to like surface. And mm. the only thing to stop you from doing that is you. Mm. You're in your own way. Yeah. And so it true. wasn't until after you know, studying this for a while that I realized that what that is, is enlightenment. That's, that's mm. what we're talking about. Getting out of your way, mm. pushing your ego out or ser- using your ego effectively to serve your purpose. Mm. are two different things, but I didn't realize that that's what I was gunning for. It was kind of maybe a mini kind of enlightenment. So to talk yeah. to somebody that has seen that and realized that would be amazing. Right. It'd be like a masterclass. Mm-hmm. Right? That's and cool. I think they'd be really creative. <laughs> I think they'd be creatively brilliant yeah because they would they'd be in control of like we were talking about like creating their reality or creating mm-hmm. their surroundings i mean they the universe is yeah. creativity and they're tapped yeah. into it so oh. it's pure pure uh genius that is emanating from them constantly at a constant rate without them being any sort of a stoppage or filter dude i feel like after every question i want to be like okay go to caveman creative to get more, <laughs> more caveman of this. creative yeah because that's good super good stuff all right so Next question, how how did you get your start? Like, what was, like, some of, like, your early training? And, um, With design? Yeah, in design. Yep. Um, I actually went to school committed to not do an art program. Uh, I was artistic huh. growing up. I loved drawing. I yeah. was in, a, you know, art programs in high school. And I just decided that when I went to college, I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to get a real job. And it could be a longer story, but the short story is... Uh, I tried a lot of different things. I was a journalist major. I was um, 
uh, tried to do a business school. That didn't work. I uh, burned out about the time that I was doing like a pre-med program for a nurse practitioner for Eastern medicines hmm. or complementary medicines and uh, burnout heavy, just like really uh, fell apart just after working really hard for a long time. And the study that, was Yeah, just the, and... the classes were super difficult. Yeah. I was a... Uh, I failed organic chemistry and I was going to have to try to take it again. And that yeah. was like filling my heart with dread. Um, and I, d I decided to give myself a break for mm. one semester. I was just going to take whatever classes appealed to me mm. um, just to kind of do like kind of re recuperation, but I was going to go right back to it. Got gotcha. to get right back on that horse. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, a lot of the classes I wanted to take, I, I, they wouldn't let me hmm. finally took a prereq for, it was actually a graphic art class that I was trying to get into, like a digital graphic art class. I don't even know what the hell that is, mm. but the prereq was a typography class. Mm. And I was like, all right, I'll just get through this. And it, a week into it, it blew my mind, changed my life. Typography, I was blown away. It sounded like the most boring thing I'd ever heard of in my life. Yeah, right. A weekend, I was like, all I want to be is friends with people that love typography. Those are my people. This is amazing. This is an invisible world that shapes and colors everything. And did they have one of those um, Gutenberg presses? <laughs> no, they didn't have a Gutenberg yeah. press in there. Yeah. I wish. But like that's a that that changed my life. And I was like, yeah. what is this about? And then it's like, oh, this is a, attached to this thing called graphic design. I'm like, oh, I could do that. I can make money. Uh -huh. This is a job. And then uh, doing graphic design for like a semester, I. I actually uh, discovered industrial design through a documentary called Objectified. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Five minutes into watching that movie, and it was when Johnny Ives like pops up. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, shit. This is my life. This right. is what I have to That's do. That's cool, man. Um, and, and then you know, Dita Rams was next. Yeah. And just, everybody on that movie, just they were just intelligent, articulate, well-rounded, well-educated, like yeah. interesting, charismatic, eccentric and strange mm -hmm. i'm like i just want to be one of these guys and uh by the time that film was over i was i was calling my school counselor again and right trying to figure on. out how to how to make that happen that's that's cool what a good story like that to me that movie is a classic like i now i think it was like 10 years ago right mm -hmm. when it came out and like a lot of um students haven't don't know the movie haven't seen it I'm like how yeah. that's well, like the industrial design yeah, in hindsight it's like really uh not that great i've actually met gary <laughs> yeah. Huss with the guy who directed it and we had a long conversation about that's it that's cool but like it's good i mean it, yeah. it's the start of something yeah. and i think it's a you know it's the, again another invisible world that most people don't know about but when they discover it yeah. they're super fascinated and it's you know we're really behind as far as fields go creative fields i spent a lot of time with came in creative studying other creative fields Industrial design is behind. It, it is for sure. There's like there's not like the um, pedigree or the tradition like no. architecture hat. It's, it's, it's infantile. It's yeah. juvenile in mm -hmm. its current state, and that's not mm -hmm. an insult. This is just like it just means that the people that are in it right now have a real great opportunity to build it into whatever we yeah. want it to be. So it's a really exciting place to be. But I think people get so caught up in looking back, like they get caught up in like kind of Ramsian doctrine of like, oh yeah, we have to make things all D to Ram style. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, that's, that's, we have so far to travel mm -hmm. forward and we're, and it's kind of a, it's kind of stuck and it yeah. doesn't realize its own. That's a good point. Like why throw back too much or why? Yeah, why minimal, I mean, it, it, it'll happen just like architecture yeah. is just yeah. miles ahead of us and, yeah. <laughs> and graphic design and, but, uh, it'll, it'll slowly happen. But yeah, that's how, that's how I got into it. That's exciting. So since finishing school, you've worked, you've worked like a number of different places, consultancies and whatnot. Can you call out maybe one project that you should be known for? Or you might be known for? Oh man, no. That's a hard, I, that's a hard question. I wish, I wish yeah. there was, but I, I think my biggest project is definitely ahead of me. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what it's going to be or what the even medium is. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I'm like, 
I'm, I'm writing a book right now and I'm like, man, if I get known for a book after doing 10 years of design, I'll be like so mad. <laughs> all the all the designs I've worked on and then I, I get like my book becomes the thing I'm known for. I feel the same way. Like I, I don't want my pinnacle to be now. I want it to be like right. later, you know. I want it to be a body of work and yeah. I want yeah. it to be me. Like, yeah. the, ultimately, the only thing that is worth designing is my life. Mm. Um, everything else are just like little external things that I'm working on that are carefully cultivating my inner life mm. um, and are ultimately in a, unimportant. You know, that's that's all I, I care about is am I tapped into the kind of person that I want to be, which is mostly just getting out of my own way. And I, I think designing things and creating things are useful tools for establishing that in yourself. Mm. But it's not the it's not the important part. The important part is is me. Your 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 livelihood and how you kind of so if I could be, I mean maybe this is an indirect answer to your question but if I could be known for anything, it could I would like to be known for someone who's figured some things out that other people may not have mm. about the creative process about getting to that stage in your life and sharing that and inspiring other people to to accomplish the same thing. Oh, that's cool. Like empower, empowerment. Basically. Yeah, I would love to empower creatives. Yeah. What advice? would you give your younger designer self? Oh man, so much. <laughs> and in fact, I think partially, uh, if you wanted to dig deep and, and psychoanalyze me, I'm, I'm guessing that the book that I'm working on in the podcast I'm doing is probably a little bit of that, a letter to young Joe Bowers. Cool. Um, maybe a little bit, but it's, in a lot of ways it's a letter to future Joe Bowers too, but I did not worry. I was so worried and my worry and my anxious need to achieve, accomplish, and do good work uh, alienated a lot of people because mm. people became obstacles. Mm. The younger I go, the more I can find egregious examples of me just like getting really frustrated with people that I felt like were in my way or were gotcha. obstacles or not working as hard as me yep. and treating them like shit. Yeah, especially like group, um, like school activity, group Oh, yeah. Group I mean, I was abhorrent in school. Anybody huh. who happens to listen to this and remembers me from school, they will agree that I was uh, an absolute nightmare. And it was it was self-centered. Yeah. Um, it was immature, but it, it came from a passion yep. to do good work. And it came from a fear that the good work wouldn't happen or that things wouldn't work out. I could see that, yeah. And uh, now I try to remind myself every day, and I actually have a mantra that I remind myself every day that everything will work out. Mm. That, that's an absolute certainty. Mm -hmm. And so I should have the confidence, calmness, and kindness that comes with that certainty. Mm. And so if I could give young Joe, I mean, there's so many people that I wish I hadn't alienated or w and even forget alienation. There's so many people that I, I made feel bad yeah, for no reason, mm. just because I perceived them as being in my way mm. and I still do it. I'm not cured. Right. <laughs> I still do it. I still kind of, I get that feeling a lot working group projects or working with clients or whatever that like, you know, that feeling when two fat people are like, in front of you on stairs, like walking slow. <laughs> yeah. And you like have somewhere to be. God damn it. And you're like, yeah. you're like oh, yeah. I got to get around this person. Yeah. And like, I get that feeling so often when I'm working on something. Yeah. I'm just in the in the mode yep. and I'm going hard. And end up, you know, people's feelings um, mm -hmm. become a lower priority than they should be for me yeah. when I'm in that mode. So that's mm -hmm. something I'm constantly working on. But I wish I'd learned a little bit more, a that's little bit sooner. I mean, it's super cool to acknowledge that and acknowledge that, you know, some, we all have stuff to work on. Yeah, self-awareness. Uh, yeah. Helps. Helps a lot. Yeah. Another question, where do you get your best ideas? They come from all over. Mm -hmm. um, come from? Where do your best ideas come from? That's a that's an interesting way of thinking about that question. I would say that they, they all come from essentially the same place, um, and that's 
what I would call the universe or the cave. Yeah. To give a hint at like a, kind of my caveman ethos. <laughs> I like or the well, actually. The teaser. The well is where is where our ideas come from. And that's why my Instagram is the well. Right. That's where our ideas come from. But the way to get access to that well is by having a clean cave and and having your, your shit sorted out, having a calm, still mind. You know, a mind that is full. Don Draper actually talks about it, like study everything you can about a problem and then distract yourself and then forget it oh, yeah. and go forget it go yeah. go on a walk yeah. go i'd go on i come on a lot of walks yeah um right when it, i filled myself up with the idea and i've hit that wall where i'm like okay the answer should be obvious but it isn't is usually when i go see a movie the ideas come from inside once i get out of my own way once i've done all the work the prep and i've cultivated the the appropriate mindset then my job is just to be still mm, i like that I went to an opera last night. And no way. Yeah, it was all right. La Trattoria, something like that. I'll have to find the right pronunciation. But Yeah, um, I think I've been there, actually. Yeah, the first act was good. Second act was lame, and I stopped, stopped paying attention. But then I started having all these ideas about like yes. stuff, stuff I'm working on because it was like yeah. able to kind of like get my mind off for a second. And then, and then and then I was like, all right, I'm just going to like go with it and like keep, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, kind of like going down this path of like these ideas and that forget state. about the opera, you know? Being, being deliberate about creating that exact state. Mm-hmm. Um is the difference between a brilliant person and someone who's, you know, lost. Yeah. And like, there's no reason to sit out in a field and wait for the muse. Like there's, there's prayers, there's incantations to, to, uh, to getting the muse to show up. And if you read my book, you'll know all about those. And, and and so like, yeah, if you're, if you're a creator, if you're an, you know, if you're the artist and you, your art invoked that, that state in somebody else and they stop paying attention to your, to your art in the second Mm -hmm. act, I think that'd be okay. Right. You'd be all right with that. Cause 100% that'd be like the most ideal. If I could, that's what you want. If I could put my audience, which I don't, I mean, my podcast audience maybe, or any audience, if I could put any group of people into it in a creative trance where they're, where the well is just shooting out mm. inspiration and, yeah. and uh, ideas, that would be amazing. Yeah. It's like Actually, you, that's not, not a bad idea. Maybe I should do workshops and just like, and, that's a, that's and see goal. how quickly I could get an entire group of people to fill their sketchbooks. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. How about something you've learned the hard way uh, that you'd like to help others avoid? Oh, man. I feel like I learned everything the hard way. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is a really good question though. Um, I think the being kind one, and, and just calm in the face of uncertainty is something that I've learned the hard way. Hmm. You know what, actually, so, I mean, this has been a really hard year, but um, I've learned the hard way that I don't know what I want. Hmm. Meaning that I'll have really strong ideas about what I want and really strong ideas about what I don't want. But I've had situations in my life where I've gotten everything I did not want, uh, lost everything that I desperately wanted to keep hold of Hmm. and was sure that that would be the end of my life and end of all happiness. And a year after all that stuff happened, I'm the happiest Hmm. I've been in a long time. So we don't know, like we have all these plans, we have all these expectations and hopes, dreams and fears. And I've learned the hard way to let go of all those things because I don't know. Mm. I have zero ability to predict what is going to make me happy and what is going to make me hurt. Mm. That's what kind of very the very Zen attitude, right? Getting mm-hmm. rid of your expectations, letting go of attachments. Yeah, attachments is attachments. what the Buddhists would call those. That's right. Cool. Okay, so a few more rapid fire questions. Do it. Uh, this is like one liners. Yeah, we can try. Uh, do you have a favorite book on creativity or design? 
Ooh, you can call out. Um, you know, my favorite books about creativity and design aren't about either one of those. Yeah, that's fine. Really liking The Myth of Sisyphus by mm. Albert Camus. Got and it. it's actually an exis- French existentialist book about the absurd. It's a philosophy book, yeah. but really good. Oh, you know what? Flatland. Oh, right. I've been meaning to read that. Flatland yeah. is my favorite book about creativity and design. Yeah. And it's about neither one of those things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, should we give a synopsis or just rapid fire? Um, yeah, no, that's cool. I want to hear your synopsis. Okay, so the synopsis yeah. is basically the main character of Flatland, and it was written in the 1800s by a school teacher trying to teach their, his kids about geometry mm-hmm. in a very simple allegorical way because he was also happened to be a priest. But um, so he was like kind of mirroring Jesus that way. But huh. the main character is a circle, and he ex- he lives in Flatland, which is two-dimensional plane. Right. And he encounters, goes on a journey, encounters uh, line land which is a one-dimensional world huh. and then interacts with the king and then one day encounters a member of, I don't even remember what they call it, the fourth dimensional world. Okay. Encounter, or three, sorry, three-dimensional world. Right. Uh, that was a sphere. So he encountered a sphere and could not comprehend the nature of the sphere mm. and the sphere kind of tried to teach him what a sphere was and what the three-dimensional world was mm. and ended up propelling him out of it and then is sent back to a, the the 2D world flatland to then try to explain to people what three-dimensional world was. Oh, and after reading that, the implications of like, oh, this is how it would be for us to encounter a fourth-dimensional being. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's done any amount of psychedelics um, will tell you that it's a very educational book <laughs> yeah. to read and helps contextualize a lot of the things that you encounter. Rad. Yeah, that's true. You do feel like, and okay, I've done a few psychedelics. <laughs> you, you feel like you're entering some kind of dimension and you oh, wish yeah. you could like call it out or you know understand what it is yeah i think if i hadn't read that book the four-dimensional fourth-dimensional entities i'd encountered would have been very scary mm. that's cool that's like now at the top of my list things yeah flatland is so good i go back and read it all the time that's cool um okay so if not a designer what would you be oh shit um hungry <laughs> i'd be <laughs> nice. starving rad i just this was my way of being me and getting paid for it yeah and i don't know what else? I mean, I guess I'd be a writer. Yeah, okay. Writing a book, but sure. Okay. Yeah, this was just a way to to monetize. That's brilliant. Do you have a favorite designer, like out there, maybe dead or alive? No, Not I right. mean, I think my favorite designer is probably in school right now. hasn't hasn't started their career yet. <laughs> it's a good I'm answer. just very I'm very forward thinking about this design stuff. I think we're we're not anywhere near where, we, where we're going to be, and that's where I'm. That's where my mindset is at. Cool. Okay, so we're into the creative process kind of section of the 20 questions. Okay. Um, so we want to know about more about your creative process and what you think about process. Okay. And so the first question, or sorry, the 12th question is, where do you find inspiration? And we kind of already touched on that, but like maybe, maybe like um, where, or how, or when do you find inspiration? So to get ideas back, you have to put ideas in. Mm. That's the idea of the well to draw from. Okay. So I'm constantly trying to fill my well with things that are not design. Read a lot of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Very obsessed in, and interested in different ideologies and how they came to be and and the designers of the ideologies. I actually think uh, an ideology is the ultimate design project. Mm. And one of the best ideology designers, unfortunately, was like, you know, often like dictators and, and bad yeah. guys like Hitler. Like had an amazing... yeah. Like his design is crazy. Like right. Just everything from the Nazi flag to he had a strong vision. 
to the typography that they use that mm-hmm. is now like synonymous with like evil, the heavy old English mm-hmm. weighted uh, fonts they use that just scream Blitzkrieg. Mm. And those are the visual elements, but also like, yeah. So all that stuff, um, not that I'm going to Nazis to, to inspire my design, but I am yeah. looking at all ideologies, everything from Buddhism, uh, Taoism, caveman drawings yeah. and, and, and stuff. That's cool, man. I, I digest a lot of that stuff. And and then life drawing. I, I really enjoy doing drawings from life hmm. and reading philosophy. I think those are two of the things that, oh, and music, but those are the things that influence my work the most. That's great. Do you have like specific rituals that make up your design process or kind of aid in your creative process? Uh, I go on walks and I meditate a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I meditate when go on at least one walk a day. Mm. Uh, and now I'm hooked. It's like a... It's like a smoking habit I can't break. I gotta, yeah. I gotta do those things, and that's that's a crucial, crucial part of my my process. Mm-hmm. Rituals beyond, like actually, like tangible, like hands dirty rituals. Yeah, not much. I I can't design very well sitting down. I huh. I gotta be moving. I gotta be okay. like standing desk, walking to a wall or board. Um, I'm very physical in my process. I gotta, I gotta be touching things. I gotta be feeling things. I gotta. Sometimes I, I, I have a sketchbook that I, I use daily, and I'm constantly dumping ideas in it. But sometimes I just need a big roll of paper on the wall so that I can like, I can, I can write with my whole shoulder. That's cool. And I just gotta get out all. There's just some just energy go big. that just yeah. blah, gotta yeah. get out. So. That's part of it. I like that. Yeah, that's like something cathartic. I'll do that with my kids too. Just get a big roll of oh, yeah. and just like get the crayons because it's like yes. they're super cathartic. Just big, fat, chunky sharpie yeah. and just yeah, with huge rotator cuff motions, just drawing circles and so cards. Yeah, it's just therapy, therapy for sure. I actually have, I got these window crayons, like huh. like basically sharpies for windows. And okay. I, at this point, every window in my house is full of sketches, drawings, right. and words. And, and I look, see that. You go down to my home studio and it, it looks like beautiful mind where it looks just like red string yeah. <laughs> and it looks like a crazy person. They think you're a detective or somebody crazy. Yeah. That yeah. I'm seeing patterns where they don't belong. And yeah. that's true. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm a crazy person. That's rad. So do you have a favorite part of the design process? I like all of it, man. I, I mean, I really like the research phase and I could stay in the research phase for a long time. Uh, just getting information about the problem from every direction, from manufacturing, distribution channels, uh, user reviews, you know, business models of my clients. I, I could dive into that stuff forever. And the ultimate result is by the time I'm done with the project, I just want to take over the company. Yeah. I really like that phase, but yeah. I also really like the iterative phase where I'm just generating as many ideas as possible mm. to get to the idea that is the idea or the five ideas that are the ideas. But then I really like the refinement of it. I just like, I mean, that's, I think, why design stuck when other things just never did mm-hmm. is because there's so many problems to sink your teeth into with design. True. And it never is boring. If you can enjoy all the parts, then you, you got it yeah. made. And if you can enjoy all the parts, no matter what you're working on, which very few designers can. A lot yeah. of designers claim that they can. Right. But if you can enjoy, d- enjoy like designing a shoe as much as you enjoy designing a diaper bag or yeah. et cetera, et cetera, you're you're gonna you're gonna have a good not, good life. So are you are you able to do that? Like if somebody puts no. something in front of you that's like you that don't match with your values, like like if you they want you to design a shotgun, for instance. I don't know if that's a good example, but you know mm-hmm. something where you're like, nah, I'm not into it. You know? Yeah. No. I can't. You just, I mean, I'll, I'll be yeah. honest. It's it's an uphill battle for me, but you know, usually it's just a matter of hacking my brain and tricking myself. Like, uh-huh. 
I often will run out of steam with uh, jobs. I'm like, oh, I do not want to deal with this thing anymore. But that, it's at that point that I really dig deep and be like, okay, well, what is there a part of this that I is really interesting to me? Is there is there a technique or is there a sketching style? Is there a, mm. is there a tool that I do want to learn and this could be my reason? I, I got it. It's it's like you know anybody who's run a marathon or or gone through something really difficult when you hit a wall doing things the way you were doing them, you just got to find a new way mm. and you got to keep talking yourself. You get, there's these like mental games to get yourself to keep going, to get around that obstacle. And I, I run into those a lot. Mm. I just keep going. So speaking of like values and, and whatnot, do you have values that kind of like feed themselves into your work or like, is there like a through line through your work that you, where your values kind of show up? I wish there was more. Mm. I think I'm still discovering exactly what my values are. As a designer, particularly a young designer, I was just trying to make people happy. Just be a good, you know, make a living yeah. and make clients happy. And every time I made a client happy, I'd get another client. Right. It was, solve the problem. You know, solve, yeah, solve, it, solve the problem. problem. And that's, yeah. I liked that. But yeah, my higher purpose uh, around design is really just to make good things and yeah. make things that make sense, that have been considered, have been thought through yep. and hold to their values and the intended purpose of that thing without you know, compromise. But as far as like a running signature theme, I guess, you know, that, that'll be really an- easy to answer when I'm dead. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> able to look back and be like, oh yeah, there's that thread. And I think it's probably there. Like yeah. the truth is it's probably already there. Yeah. Um, it just takes a little bit of retrospective to be like, oh, this was my DNA. Right. Right. And you're not intentionally doing it. It's just kind of, no, happening. it's and just my DNA. I, I, I'm not able to do that too. And I've had people tell me like my sister, for instance, she's like, yeah, she's like, everything oh, yeah, you do is so like you. playful. It's like somebody else yeah. can tell you oh, what that's it is. So you. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Actually, somebody recently told me, and I think there's truth to it that I, I, I'm very referential in my design and mm. that everything comes back to a narrative and usually I use kind of familiar symbols. Mm. So like, mm. I can't even think of an example off the top of my head, but like I really do like to make things overt and kind of resonate with people in that, oh, they recognize, you know, the archetype of this thing. Yeah. So uh, what would be an, an example? I don't know. I can't. Virgil Abloh does it as well. Like, uh-huh. you know, we're just playing with symbols and, and things that are familiar and, and twisting them and using them in unique ways. Right, 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 right. Oh, I guess, I mean, my... Uh, like sneakers, and I'll, I'll like take the outsoles of sneakers and like, and I won't try to design, you know, like the perfect tread an, pattern, an abstract yeah. tread pattern or yeah. something. I'll take uh, catenary sand patterns, like patterns that wind and water have made in sand, and I'll mm. make that the outsole or or bricks or or rocks. Yeah, um, and I'll do that not because it's meaningless and it's just kind of fun, cool thing, but because I'm actually trying to make tread that you know, works well in all weather conditions. And mm-hmm. if, if water has designed sand mm-hmm. and it has chosen the path of least resistance through sand and made these patterns, and maybe putting that pattern in shoes will be a good way of dispersing water so you can make contact with the pavement mm. easier. Like, that's just like a weird example, but like, that's cool, I'm always finding the symbols. I'm trying to have the least heavy hand as possible mm-hmm. in my design. I'm actually just trying to connect constraints and connect stories, narratives, and needs so that when all those things properly understood, the thing designs itself. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of Joe in there anymore. And that's, that. I guess that's kind of my objective. That's cool. I like that, um, the, the note about referential stuff too, because I think people appreciate that. Like if there's a yes. purpose for all of the moves you're making. It's, I mean, it's a hack because mm-hmm. pe- it resonates with people so mm-hmm. well. Yeah. People, everyone's favorite flavor of anything is familiarity. Yeah. So if you really want to make people uh, 
flip their shit over what you're working on. Yeah. Use things that they recognize. Use things that tap into their emotional reserves. I mean, that's like the point of Ratatouille, right? At the end of Ratatouille, like he wows the uh, the food critic by making his mom's dish, which was like a poor person's dish. Brilliant. But it's just boom, yeah. boom. His mind short circuited because he didn't expect to find that in that context. He did not expect an emotional resonance, and I mean that's the easy, it's, it's almost cheating. Yeah. as a way to get people yeah, excited about your stuff. And that's yeah. why people love collab so much. It's just hacking that emotional resonance. It's like, oh, we're going to combine, you know, uh, Dragon Ball Z and Nike. Because yeah. those are two, both of those symbols are, are symbols that are we're already like wired from our generation to be like, yeah. those are awesome. Something and it's combining love. those two things. So I'm, I'm actually trying to get away from it for that reason. I think it's something that is a hack. It's a little overly low-hanging fruit unless mm. you're really good at it. Um, and yeah. there is skill to it. There's ways to do it really in a sophisticated, yeah, beautiful way. That's what I was going to say. You can do, you can be smart about it. I think, but also there's like, yeah. I mean, something I like, like Tinker Hatfield footwear designer did the early Jordan shoes and stuff. They yep. like, he didn't do any of that. stuff. his stuff was like so ridiculous hmm. and just basically from his head, he'd give like some weird, like architectural justifications like, Oh, this, this building inspired me. But I'm like, yeah. no, that's bullshit. You just like. He was making something kind of brand new. Yeah. And I kind of uh, respect that a little bit, even though I don't really like his shoes that much. Yeah. yeah that's controversial, but um, yeah. maybe a balance of both. I'm still figuring this stuff out. Yeah, totally. I know it's like that, the idea of originality, you know, and was right. it originally, or, or, or was the source just like buried enough that you couldn't yeah, tell where like, it came from? Or, that's the difference. Or, yeah. Originality is a hundred sources. Um, even three sources is original. Like mashed but, up or whatever. And then one <clears> is theft. Yeah, stealing from one source is theft. That's right. Pl- plagiarism. I feel like it's kind of a dirty secret of design that a lot of non-designers don't understand. It's like, yeah, I'm looking at all of these other things because I'm going to like kind of mash them up in the end, and, oh, and yeah. that will be what's you know the original. Yeah, product. But, I mean, if that's a dirty, I mean, I it's been so long since I've even considered it a secret. I feel like that's just such, so known, but you're probably right still that people yeah. outside of design know that like don't realize that we're just ripping I think things so. off. Like a lot of your clients wouldn't maybe want to know all of the things that you borrowed. Oh from yeah. Other it's just places. hiding your, hiding your sources. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's what originality is, 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 uh, curating your inspiration. Yeah. Picking the three sources to rip off in a meaningful way yeah. is what makes you a good designer. I mean, what is, what is creation anywhere? Just kind of like repurposing oh, no. words and yeah. things and molecules. If you're still trying to be original, you need to grow up. Yeah. Just shoot yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, this is like just a, a more basic question. Do you have a favorite tool that you want to advocate, like a physical design tool or like a digital tool that you that like is works for you well and you know maybe people don't know about? No. Okay, skip that. No, question. no, I don't. I don't want to skip it. I think it's an important question. I think yeah, yeah. we. I am guilty as anybody, but we rely too heavily on tools. The entire creative process occurs within the ten centimeter gap between the walls of our skull. Mm. Um, everything you need, you already have. And tools are fun. Tools are a fetish, but they're not important. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can, a lot of people say this, but you, you just got to realize if you're, if you're waiting for that right tool to do the right work, grow up. It's, it's, it's never going to happen. You just yeah. got to do the work. And all of it can be done in the, in the inside of a prison cell or a mm. cave lying on your back. Mm. So just do it. Dude, good answer. 
All right, so we're, we're into the last part of okay. the interview. We're at question 17, and this is the section I call pontification, which we've pontification. already... <laughs> we've been doing that, right? But right. The, the, the questions get a little more heady. Bullshitting, essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Right. That's what podcasts are, right? <laughs> um, so I'm going to throw some, some big ones at you. What yep. is true creativity? What is true creativity? I guess, I mean, it goes back to the things, getting out of your own way mm. and letting things surface. Your, your body, your subconscious, your universe, whatever that is, is way better at design than you are consciously. So that's true creativity is getting out of your own way. So you, you touched on this, but let, let's expand on it. What, the, the question is, what will designers be doing in the future? Oh, man, that's good. I do not know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think... Uh, as far as the future is concerned, design is a little bit more future-proof, has a little bit more job security than other jobs do, given the state of AI and machine learning and automation. But even we, it's it remains to be seen how long we're going to actually last. I don't know. Wait, what's the question? Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 was, question? what will designers be doing in the future? What will designers be doing? I mean, I hope... Me, I hope I'm not a designer much longer. I hope that the things that I have learned as a designer uh, translate away from just filling a role that's called a designer and, and that title, but applies to something much larger and mm. and uh, is much more general solving a problem, working yeah. a system, whatever. That's super interesting. Like I think a lot of people, including myself, get into design because you want to make an impact, but mm -hmm. is calling yourself a designer or staying within that discipline, like limiting limiting you know, the impact that you can have. Yeah, it's kind of a frustrating thing. We There's just no real good place to put any of us. And mm. design is a catch-all phrase for a bunch of people that like solving problems and don't like to keep schedules. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. basically, it's a kind of, it says more about the kind of person you are than the work that you actually do. Interesting. Um, but it's a great word. I love the word design. I love the implications that come from it. Unfortunately, not many companies have need or understand where to put us or mm. and there's a lot of different places where our skill sets would be valuable it's just about connecting the right people with the next the right roles is is something that's really difficult to do how do you describe bad design in general thoughtless mm. straight up that's it i mean and thoughtless and short-sighted mm -hmm. i don't care if you are whoring yourself out and just trying to get sales yeah uh but if you're sacrificing future sales to get sales this season, that's bad design. It's just yep. it's just short-sighted. Your your short gains at the expense of the long-term wins is just super frustrating for me. Mm. Okay, well we're at the last question. All right, question twenty. I'm gonna try to find. We like, went through all the questions. I know, right? Really? Yeah. I thought we were skipping some. Yeah, whatever. Let's do it. How about a Salt Lake related question? Okay. You're kind of in and out of Salt Lake, right? And yeah, I don't know. I don't know Salt Lake super well. Yeah, so maybe just like the area, the community. What you, you keep coming back. So, like, what makes Salt Lake a good place to kind of be a creative person or be a designer? Uh, or to you, or maybe it's not. You know, like what? What's it's quiet? Yeah, is one thing. I mean, I'm coming from bigger towns, mm -hmm. and it, there is a comfort and a stillness here that is gives room for creatives to breathe, seemingly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've actually been surprisingly productive in the time that I've been here, primarily because I just have been locking myself up and and working on a project and not talking to anybody. Nice. And you know, I couldn't do that in other places. Right. This place is it, it's somewhat easier. Yeah. But there does. I definitely think there's a. San Francisco is like 
home base for me. Yep. There it's, there's such a results driven mentality. If you're not saving the world, then you're wasting time. Mm. And, uh, if you're not also implicit in that, if you're not helping me save the world, you're wasting my time. Oh, um, which is a hard place to be. I think San Francisco and the reason I'm not spending as much time there anymore is because it's kind of eaten itself alive for those very reasons. It's, uh-huh. it's, there's no time to really wander, to explore. Um, there's no resources to just, you know, we got to pay rent. <laughs> San yeah. Francisco and paying rent yeah. is a, is a full-time job. And so there's, there's not a lot of peace. And mm. I think space, negative space, peace, time, and boredom are all really essential components of innovation and thinking and creativity. And there's more of that here. Mm. That's so good. Thank you so much for sitting with us. 20 questions went so fast. Yeah. And man. we could do another 20, I'm sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we better have a beer first or something. Yeah, sure. But let's let's have you back on. Like we'll try to keep this going, and we'll find some other reason to yeah. kind of get. We'd your, love to, man. Get you back on here. So thanks again, man. Thanks Appreciate for having it. me.